0: Welcome to this edition of the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. I'm Mark Simon, and we're glad to hear that the Major League Baseball season will return, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about that over the next month. For now, we talk about somewhere where they're playing baseball right now. We've covered the KBO, and you've seen in our recent tweets about that. Now, let's talk about the NPB, baseball in Japan. We're glad to be joined by Jim Allen, Ball Allen, on Twitter and is one of the world's most foremost experts on the sport. He's the co-host of Japan Baseball Weekly, the podcast, and his website, jballallen.com, is incredibly comprehensive. Some free, some available by subscription. Jim, good to meet you. You want us over with a tweet that said, for decades we've been telling people who make these choices that fielding highlights are more entertaining than what <laughs> traditionally passes for highlights. Here, hear. Uh, all right, uh, good to meet you. Tell us where you are and tell us what's the most uh, interesting thing you've been uh, doing recently.
1: Well, I just, uh, what's the most interesting thing I've been doing recently is trying to stay ahead of MLB. Japan's playing, MLB isn't, so I'm sort of exploiting that as much as possible, uh, getting more and more information out, maybe getting better information out. So sort of the same as I was doing, but more. Now I'm in Tokyo. I'm um, if people know Tokyo I'm on the west side of Tokyo so basically i'm I'm doing information about japan 24 uh, seven it seems
0: give us background about your uh, your history with the sport in Japan
1: uh, I came to Japan in the before time 1984 and I was a fanatical San Francisco Giants fan uh, I lived on the sea of Japan and the deadline for our morning paper was like 6 in the afternoon. So I didn't get Giants games unless they were playing on the east coast. So I turned to reading Japanese uh, sports papers to get the line scores, the, the you know the late night line scores from the west coast and I instead of the line scores I started looking at the Japanese information. And at that time the only thing you got in a box score in a US newspaper was at bats uh hits RBIs pretty much home runs maybe and these had these were detailed score sheets every inning every every plate appearance pitch counts they've been doing pitch counts in Japanese newspapers since at least the 50s so I started thinking, wow, what a, what a field I'd been reading Bill James. And I I thought, what a field, a rich field for exploration, all this data at my fingertips. So I started clipping the box scores and when I got a, you know, and taking notes. And then when I got a computer in 1995, I started writing a a guide to Japanese baseball. And I I wrote the the first uh, sabermetric guides to Japanese.
0: So you're like a pioneer, like a a Bill James uh, for Japan.
1: Ah, I don't (laughs) want (laughs) to. People, people have said that I don't want to go there.
0: (laughs) Okay, all right. So MLB just went through a lot, and when we were taping this, we're just a couple of hours uh, post them announcing sixty game season. The NPB is going to play double that. Season's just underway. What was the process for Japan just to get to this point?
1: Uh, The process was they shut the game down in Japan a couple of weeks earlier than they did. They they shut it down on February, be, before the weekend of February 29th, March 1st. They didn't shut it down, but they stopped playing before fans. And they, they've completed most of the, the, the preseason and then they delayed the start of the season. But then they had practice games they were hoping to start in April. But short to, to keep it short, they basically have been following what the government said about what's possible. When the government was still talking about holding the Olympics in July. They were talking about having opening day in April. As soon as the government drop-kicked the Olympics into 2021, the opening day got became vague. We had a state of emergency. The state of emergency has passed. We're definitely, unlike the United States, we're definitely over the first wave. Uh, infections in Japan are now down to... Um, about 30 or 40 a day they were at one point up to about 300 a day in may and late april i think basically they've been following the government guidelines and they worked very closely with the pro soccer j league and uh, some epidemiologists to to make plans for how and when they could come back when the government said it's okay and so now the government has said go ahead and they're holding games without fans, limited media, I mean, really limited media access. Nobody on the field, nobody in the dugouts, never anybody in the clubhouse. One reporter per team per outlet. If you want to talk to players, you have to go through the teams. There's no, none of that lazy, my usual MO, go to the ballpark and see who I can catch today stuff. <laughs> so it's a great handicap for lazy people, lazy disorganized people such as myself.
0: What are the what are the top one or two stories heading into this season?
1: I guess the the big one is when are they going to have fans in the stands? That's one. And the other one is are any players going to be infected?
0: All right, what about what about uh on the field like statistical playing
1: uh Okay. Those sorts of <laughs> stories. Well, I have to say that the the COVID nineteen kind of pushes. Yeah, it overwhelms again. It. it does. It does. It makes yeah. it sort of casts a large shadow over the game. I mean, sure. people are are love to watch the game, but statistically, well, I have to say, or again, I'm I'm so obsessed with the COVID nineteen.
0: Well, there's no like Astros cheating scandal kind of scenario or anything. No. like that. No.
1: No, right now, one of the issues, I mean, relate, related to the, the, the SoftBank Hawks are without uh, two of their best players. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the, they've won five of the last six Japan series, but two of their players went back to Cuba to prepare for WBC qualifying, which now doesn't, which exist. was canceled. And then they yep. couldn't leave Cuba. Then the season was canceled and they stayed in Cuba and now they can't leave Cuba and they couldn't come to, they probably could get a waiver to get into Japan because like the United States, I understand it's easy to get tested if you're a professional athlete, but it's Mm -hmm. very hard to get tested if you're not in Japan. So I I would think they could get a waiver uh, to enter the country. But as as far as I I understand, they can't leave Havana until the middle of July.
0: I was looking at, at box scores of some of the early games. One thing I noticed, pitchers are throwing like 120, 130 pitches in their first starts of the year.
1: That's quite a surprise. Uh especially when uh the the Softbank Hawks manager said the other day that he expected to use a lot of second starters. You know, he expected his starting pitchers to go maybe 4 innings, 5 innings and bring in another guy, bringing a long reliever, the way they do in the WBC. And we haven't seen that. We've seen guys. We've had one, one complete game. We had one complete game. We would have guys throwing. I, 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 I haven't looked, but it's probably in the area of 110, 115 pitches, which is about normal. So all that, there was a big theme before the reopening that we want players to get more rest because of the stress, you know, to keep them fit so they will, they will be less susceptible to infection. For that reason, they expanded the rosters from 29. Uh, let me explain the Japanese rosters briefly. Uh, typical season, 25 guys on the bench, on the field. 25 guys can suit for the game, but 29 are eligible to be named for that roster. They're active, but they're not active for the game. Okay, right. so that's the active roster. Well, this year, those numbers are twenty six and 31 to give players more rest. So we're seeing more guys who probably wouldn't be on the first team. We're seeing a lot of guys. I'm seeing a lot of guys I've, I've never seen before. But here's the thing. They talked about the pitchers, uh, the starting pitchers not going, and I haven't noticed that yet. I think everybody, most of the managers, I can't say with certainty, but most of the managers are, happy to let the starters go uh, seven, eight innings if they can.
0: I'd be surprised if anyone other than like a Justin Verlander does that first time around uh, here. Um, I I noticed I was going through the the major league players that are over in Japan.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Gerardo Parra, Justin Boer, uh, Alcides Escobar, Leonis Mm -hmm. Martín, Adam Jones, Matt Moore. Uh, Was there anyone that jumps out to you among those guys uh, in terms of expectations uh, that that the Japanese uh, fans have for them?
1: Oh, well, obviously, Adam Jones. Yep. Huge expectations on him. I mean, uh, he, didn't, he didn't do anything in the spring. He didn't do anything in the practice games. And one of the listeners to the Japan Baseball Weekly podcast asked if some of the Oryx fans had a right to be worried about it. <laughs> After a couple of games. Well, probably yeah, half dozen games yep. between March and, and May. Okay, so the, so the expectations are huge for him, but for uh, I guess uh, Para, the mm-hmm. expectations were large. The expectations are always large whenever the Giants bring in a former major leaguer. Uh, Justin Bour. The uh, speaking of expectations, the <laughs> the Tai. One of the Han Tigers executives said he was the second coming of Randy Bass, and you may not know Randy Bass. No, was, I do. You do. He was a yeah, Okay. He's an Oklahoma state Senator now. And, uh, he was, he had a, a crowns. So it was he like a Babe
0: two. Ruth kind of figure.
1: He, uh, he was, he was a really, really good. Right. He was a, he was a tremendous triple a player who had a limited, uh, you know, he was, he was a guy who would be a huge success in majors now because they would look at what he did in triple a and say, this guy can play. Mm-hmm. But in 1983, before that he was a guy who was stuck behind an established major leaguer and he was a minor leaguer so he got to japan and he he was just a huge success tremendous hitter anyway he led the he helped lead the tigers to their only japan series victory in 1985 and so and he's very likely going to be the first uh, foreign player to be voted into the hall of fame I, I guess while well, <laughs> before before he's seventy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, so what, what, just Justin Bour makes sense though as a comp because he's got he's got a big swing. He's someone that kind of has a, like a hulky look to him that looks like he could hit forty to fifty home runs in a season.
1: Well, the comparison to be to be fair, the comparison was somebody who could uh, with power to center and left center. Mm-hmm. Because the ballpark where they play at uh, used to be notorious. Uh, it's, ne- it's close to Osaka Bay and the wind comes in off the bay across right field, and it holds up a lot of high hit balls to right field. Uh, so that was that was the comparison. I, I, I think it was more about his uh, batting style than the okay. kind of results. But right now, of course, the the Tigers are a team that want their players to do well yesterday.
0: <laughs> That's like being a Yankee.
1: It is very much like that. But the pressure from the media, the media stirs up the fans, and the uh, the team listens. The team listens to the media. They they have they have a, a tradition of of uh, bowing to what the press writes. So if the press is turned against a player, they have to do something.
0: <laughs> is there a way to get a good feel for like which uh, MLB imports are going to be good players? Is there, are there certain personality characteristics or anything like that that give an indication that, as to whether or not one of these guys is going to succeed or not?
1: Well, if you can look and see, <laughs> if you can psychoanalyze these guys and say who's who's in a position to be most accepting and most <laughs> open, Right. Uh, Because the the key, the key is one being open-minded because I think, I think all the guys come over here have the talent to play baseball. There will be a few guys who just physically cannot make the adjustments they need to in Japan. It's a very tiny set. Um, The biggest adjustment is the mental adjustment to embrace the fact that you're not in America anymore. They, they do things a little differently here, but they have a vast store of knowledge that they're eager to help you with, whether it's it's this or that. Now, you know whether it's how to hit, uh, how to train, how to prepare for the game. It's different. It's a completely different set. It's not like it's better or worse, but it's a it's it's like a intersect two intersecting circles in a Venn diagram. And if you're willing to accept that, that other knowledge base exists uh you can learn quite a lot in japan
0: well all right so i want to convert that i want to take that over to the, the defensive side of the ball and the tweet okay. that you sent out and the, and the things that, that we can talk about related to uh defense um i guess the first one would be what were you what were you referring to uh when you uh said that tweet uh about defensive highlights and
1: such Oh that's that's it's an old thing in Japan. I mean they, they it's it's really ironic because Japanese teams focus so much on defense. They really work on the defense. They they do infield before every game. Okay. I mean I which is different guys,
0: from the states, sure.
1: No, you well then the reason, there are reasons there are structural reasons for that because they don't have cross I mean cross country travel in Japan. If you're flying from Sapporo to Fukuoka, it's an hour and a half flight. It's a lot different. Yeah, and Fukuoka's you know the ballpark's ten minutes by bus from the airport, so it's it's like no problem. So that and there's always Mondays off, so they do infield before every game. The guys are out in the outfield before every game. The focus, the amount of attention they play on d- put on defense is extreme, and there's a there's a reason for that. But we'll just leave it at that for the moment. But when it gets on TV. For some reason, the TV producers, you know, we used to go at Tokyo Dome to see the Giants and at seventh inning or something, they would have today's between innings. If they didn't have advertisements for the for this big screen, they would have today's highlights and <laughs> it would be swing, guy scoring, swing, guy scoring, swing, home run, swing. That, those were the Giants highlights. About once in a blue moon, it would be a guy making a catch. Now, the, there are reasons for that, and it's long and hard, but basically, um, if they're only looking at the run scoring, is what they do.
0: So it sounds like they need to have more of an appreciation for defensive run saved and the kinds of things that, that we come up with here. And uh, with that, uh, give, give us a sense of who some of the top fielders in the game are, if you can.
1: Uh, okay. Well, the top fielders in the game—that's a good question. The let me let me just think. The top, I guess, the the guy, and he's just on the decline phase of his career right now, is Ryosuke Kikuchi mm-hmm. of the Hiroshima Carp. He was posted oh, to the majors uh, last winter, and he gave up. He's a guy who definitely could have won a job in camp had there been a camp. But you see this sometimes. They're also they, they feel a great amount of loyalty to their their team in Japan, so he gave up a, a you know an iffy job in the majors for a sure thing in Japan. This guy was probably for four, the first this from the second year of his career to the fifth, he was probably this, the best fielding second baseman in the world. Just outstanding balance, um, acrobatic quickness, speed, good arm for a second baseman. Everything, the whole package. So he's uh, he's now, he's still amazing, but he doesn't have the range that he used to have. Uh, okay, he's number one. So if you get to watch him, you know, keep an eye on him. Let me just think of some guys. One of the problems we have in Japan is you don't see the electric sprint speeds mm-hmm. that you see uh, now and then in the majors, and you don't see the just uh, the cannons. The reason for that is Japanese baseball, you know, you've heard baseball called a children's game. Mm -hmm. In Japan, it is a children's game. And what I mean that is in Japan, the culture is to teach every ball player to win from the day they first are shown what a baseball glove is. Your job is not to, to to learn to be a better baseball player. It's to learn how to win. And the way you learn as a child is to beat other children. You make contact and you hit the ball where they're going to make errors. And if you don't make an error, you're going to win. So they teach them how not to make errors and how to do things. So that that's one aspect of it. So they, they practice endlessly. They, they destroy arms at an incredible rate at among elementary school kids. And they make everybody run. Their fields are limited. So they make everybody run couple of K's, a couple of kilometers every day almost. And year round, baseball's year round. It's like travel ball from elementary school on. So these kids don't get to rest and they burn out arms and legs and they don't develop. And so the fast guys are like middle distance runners who can sprint a little bit. And the guys (laughs) who can really throw are guys who were lucky enough to escape they probably weren't pitchers. They didn't have strong arms when they were in elementary school, so they survived that meat grinder. So we, we miss the guys who are really talented when they're elementary school because most of those are wipe, Most of those kids are wiped out and their baseball careers are ruined before they're 15 years old.
0: Let me ask you about a specific player. So we, we track defensive runs, say, for Japanese players. And okay. uh, one wow. guy that's come up very high for us uh, each of the last two years is Sosuke Genda. Yep. Uh, and I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit more about him.
1: Uh, Soski Genda came up and uh, he came out of, uh, he was not out of high school. He was out of uh, college or corporate league ball. And as a rookie, just amazing. His uh, first manager was a former Golden Glove infielder. And he just let, they were very tough on him. You know, they saw what they had. This guy has, you know, he has, uh, I'll I'll say he's got 70 speed quickness, hands, you name it. He's one of the few guys who uh, the few Japanese who learned to uh, backhand the ball because, as I said, in, in school, they're, they're taught not to make errors. And so the infielders are taught to get in front of the ball. So a shortstop going to his right to a ball in the hole will try to get in front of that ball. And as a result, then he'll make a stab at it at the last second and it's too late. So they don't, uh, a lot of the guys learn, but they don't, <laughs> you know, there's they're, they're not good at it, learning it, uh, in their twenties. So he is a guy who is good at that. Uh, the best players in Japan are those guys who are willing to break out of that mold that they were taught in elementary school. So he's, uh, the great speed, the great hands. One of the things you'll see on defense here in Japan is that because of the practice, because of the endless practice, the guys, if the guy's smart, if the guy's sharp, he knows where everything's going on. He knows where to throw the ball because they practice it endlessly. <laughs> so you, you never, you very rarely see those kind of, you know, bonehead plays. Yeah. Now and then, I mean, I'm, Japan's not immune to human errors, but that kind of thing, the root, the, the basic, you know, in this situation, you throw the ball here, those guys know it in their sleep. Are there
0: any catchers that are particularly good at something that's become big uh, here, stealing strikes?
1: That's a good question because we don't see that data here.
0: <laughs> well, we I can tell you that by our data, one thing that we've noticed is, I think it's Riotaro Umeno uh, yep. has good pitch framing numbers that his uh, the strike gets to walks with him
1: catching. He's good. Well, he's. Okay. Uh, I, don't know your, uh, I don't know that you're wrong. <laughs> that's a good That's a good way to put it. Well, that's the only way I can put it because yeah. I don't see enough Tigers games that I could right. watch. But I do know he's a very, very smart guy from the way he plays. He seems to pick up everything. He runs the bases exceptionally well. He has a great approach at the plate. He has... Technically, in terms of his catching and throwing out runners, his footwork, his agility, he's just at the top of the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was good at that as well.
0: Okay, why don't they use shifts uh, as often as they do uh, in the majors?
1: A good question. Well, (laughs) as often. Yeah, shifts are... At all? uh, Almost at all. Yeah. Almost at all. Last year, basically, there are some minor outfield Positioning. They, they like that. They'll tinker with the outfield, the shorts. I mean, a drastic shift in Japan is where the middle infielder's playing more than five or six steps from his normal position. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, that is changing uh, the Nippon Ham Fighters, which is Dar- U Darvish's and a Shohei Otani's old team. They have a big analytics department, they have a major league style front office that, that tells that sets this information pool up for the manager and they present him they started using openers last year in their way they started trying to shift they tested out a lot of extreme shifts last year which and and, and this is the reason why they don't use them is because the the launch angle barrel it up on two strikes approach is different in Japan and part of the reason is as I said, they they teach you to beat children, so they teach you to hit the ball to the opposite field, especially if you're a left-handed hitter. As an elementary school kid, you're taught to hit the ball to the left side of the field and run as hard as you can because that ball might not be caught. So as a result, whenever they shift, yeah, it's always easier to shift against a lefty because you got first base covered. So whenever they tried to shift, the fighters tried to shift against Tomoyomori, who won the. Pacific League MVP last year, and they stacked the right side of the infield, and he just said, oh, you mean all I got to do is hit it to left? (laughs) (laughs) It was like his eyes lit up, you know, oh, and and there's a pitch, you know, as I think it was on the inside, a little inside out swing, and it's easy single, single, and he was laughing all the way to first base, so that's why they don't shift, is because nobody's dead set against pulling. They do shift, however, against Masataka Yoshida of the Oryx Buffaloes. Um, They had a couple of uh, games where the third baseman caught a ball in short left field and another one where the third baseman uh, fielded a ground ball behind first base. But uh, that's pretty rare. Uh, He's the only guy.
0: All right, to to close here, uh, give us one thing we should, if we were gonna watch Japanese baseball for the next month, non COVID related, uh, that we should watch. Uh, just that would we would find cool or like beautiful or interesting or just something that would be kind of neat for for people who don't necessarily get.
1: I would watch how. I, I think the the one area where you see the pitchers are real really good fielders <laughs> and that's this great. is pfp so you see that when you see darvish and you see kenta Maeda and masahiro tanaka you know what i'm talking about because yep. these guys are on it they're balanced there's a few outliers but that's one is the pitchers fielding is incredible um throwing arms are not good but the judgment, watch the, the infield The infield play, especially somebody really good, Genda, Sosuke Genda of the Lions or Tetsuto Yamada or, or Yosuke Kikuchi. Uh, these guys can really pick it. There's a guy with Rock 10 I saw the other day, and I don't watch him a lot, but uh, Ginji Gen, uh, he's called. His full name's Ginji Akaminai, first baseman, but he, he can play anywhere, and he's just a, a remarkable athlete. So you see a lot of... Um, one of the things... for inexplicable reason some managers like to have really really good gloves who aren't hitters at first base <laughs> I, I haven't figured that one out yet but
0: yeah you wouldn't have that here
1: no but there's a couple of guys I don't, I don't want to say they're not hitters but they're borderline hitters right but i'm trying to think of yeah the catching uh dan evans who was a long time um, he was the international most recently international scout for where the Toronto Blue Jays said essentially that any first team regular catcher in MLB in that NPV would almost automatically be the best defensive catcher on his team in MLB. Wow. Because yeah. of the work they put in.
0: All right. So pitchers and catchers and infielders in particular are something. To yeah. Watch yeah. They, they spend
1: an, and that goes down to endless amount of time, blocking balls and blocking balls in pregame practice. That's, Pretty much what catchers do is block balls in the pregame.
0: Wow. all right, very cool, um, Jim Allen. Uh, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. It's J Ball Allen on Twitter, J B A L L A L L E N on Twitter, uh, and his website as well. All right, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, enjoy the season. We will certainly uh, be following from afar.
2: Sports Info Solutions is excited to announce its Football Analytics Challenge. Contestants will use Sports Info Solutions data to determine which defensive line position is the most valuable and how does the value change based on factors like in-game situation. Registration is now open and submissions are due for preliminary judging by Sunday, July 19th. Three finalists will be chosen to present their work live to a panel of judges, including Matt Manacharian, Aaron Schatz, and John Park from the Indianapolis Colts front office. In addition to some great exposure within the industry, winner will receive a free one-year subscription to the SIS Data Hub Pro. And the best part, all proceeds from the event will go to the United Negro College Fund. A minimum $1 donation is required for entry, but we encourage any of our listeners to donate to this worthy cause. For more information and to register today, check out the pinned tweet on the Sports Info Solutions Twitter account. That's at sportsinfo underscore SIS. Thank you for tuning in to the SIS Baseball Podcast. If you like the show,
0: please rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, email the show at mark at sportsinfosolutions.com or tweet us at sportsinfo underscore SIS.